<laughs> On this episode, we watched From Justin to Kelly. Are you sure we didn't accidentally steal a letter from someone's mail? From Kelly, Massachusetts to Justin, Massachusetts. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> And welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey guys, I'm Stuart Wellington. Hey dudes, I'm Ellie <laughs> Kalen, and I have a little bit of a cold, so I apologize if I sound even naslier than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, so normally we watch a bad movie and we talk about it. <laughs> Getting right to business, here, here huh? At the Flop House podcast. <laughs> yeah, here at Flop House Industries Central. And normally said bad movie is a recent film, the last couple years. Yeah, the movie we watch and then talk about. Yeah. Yeah, but the bad time, movie. It's a bad. I mean, a, a bat movie. A, it's a. Bat it's a movie. bat movie. Well, there's the movie Bats. That's pretty bad. Sure, that's uh, the one where the name's upside down, right? On yeah, the yeah, on the poster because it's a bat. Did that work? Nope. People didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> they thought the. They thought best case scenario. They thought it was a movie about Australian bats. Worst case scenario, they thought they were walking on their heads. Walking on their heads? Yeah, yeah. And like that they were upside Lionel down. Richie song. Yeah, yeah. When you're walking on your heads, oh, you might be dead. <laughs> um, no, normally we watch a, a new. Use your feet instead <laughs> if you're walking on your head. A newer bad film. Your face is turning red <laughs> going from the that, blood uh, rushing to your head. Yeah, but in this case, my name's Lionel Richie. <laughs> he used to say that during his songs. <laughs> okay, uh, but in this case, what's different about this bad movie we watched? Well, uh, yeah. this is what a sets it apart. Contest <laughs> episode. Uh, the winner of the um, new song of the autumn contest, Jason uh, Michael McIsaac. You did a great job. I expected yeah. you to fuck it up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a professional would have written it down. <laughs> but Dan McCoy relies on the power of his often incompetent memory. <laughs> My memory's fine. My tongue is the problem. <laughs> but anyway. Problem he, tongue. <laughs> starring John Ritter and Dan McCoy. He wrote uh, oh. Rocket Crocodile and the World of Tomorrow. You've been hearing it. Well, he, blasting he produced out of it. Every, <laughs> every car you see passing by yeah. all autumn long. It's right up there with that All About the Bass song. That's what you call an ear. Worm, <laughs> but oh, uh, like in Star, Star Trek, Trek 2. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Dan. But because he won, he is entitled to two things a t shirt, <laughs> which I have not yet gotten to him because it's all sold out online. And so, the just make him one, get a Haynes white tea and write the flop house on okay, it. Okay, yeah. sure. Right in, right in, uh, Jason. Tell us whether that would be acceptable to you. <laughs> don't, don't, no, don't take the first offer, go with something better. Mm-hmm. You get one of those like oversized T-shirts of a Looney Tunes character, like all blinged out, mm-hmm. and then sign that the flop house. They still make those. Are you his? I don't know. <laughs> I his... assume I still see him on the subway. Are you his agent in this transaction? Are yeah, you I get ten percent. Ten percent of the shirt. I get one take, half of a sleeve. Take, take the sleeves. <laughs> He's not going to need them. Leave the cannoli. <laughs> take the sleeves. So, uh, so the other thing was he got to decide what movie. 
Uh, we watched. Oh boy! Now, in the past, what contest winner movies have there been? Teen Witch. Uh, Teen Witch. The Scarlet Letter. Baps. 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 Um, these are all kind of the happiest millionaire. And so this choice, you know, the, it's the the stars the limit. He could have said, "Hey, I'll be easy on the flop guys. I'll have them watch Star Wars." He could have said, "Hey, I'll be hard on the flop guys and have them watch Sallow or the 120 Days of Sodom <laughs> sure. or Cannibal Holocaust or something." Instead, he went or nothing but trouble or something. Oh God, I hope never ever. <laughs> Instead, he went kind of in the middle. Well, I will say, well, not in the middle. It's bad. <laughs> this is not a perfectly acceptable. I forgot that the uh, that Star Wars was the upper bound that I had set. Sure. I will say this for this isn't like the King's Speech or something. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like a middle of the road, you know, fine movie. Saw it, enjoy it, forgot it. Exactly. Uh, I will say this for the choice of from Justin to Kelly. It is a trim hour and twenty two minutes. Perfect. Unlike the Happiest Millionaire, which was three hours which long. Was a fat three hours. <laughs> However, this movie <laughs> seemed to be as long, if not longer, than The Happiest Millionaire. I gotta say, I remember a lot more of The Happiest Millionaire, a movie we saw years ago. Yeah, I remember it almost fondly. There's that alligator to, character, right? You know, there's a ton of alligators. Let's yeah, not forget Fred the McMurray's song about Detroit. Box. The song about Detroit that we got on the show once. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, uh, and this, Justin DeKelly, we literally watched it 15 minutes ago. Yep. And I only have a memory of like... Vaguely neon bathing suits dancing to poorly mixed songs on a beach somewhere. Those songs are going to be in your memory forever. Though, I can't right? remember a single one. One of them was a, was a rewritten version of That's the Way I Like It. See, I'm impressed you remembered that because I had forgotten that song. I was <laughs> it was the song that with... ends the movie. <laughs> I know. I had forgotten it. It's the climactic dance. Well, I wouldn't say it's climactic <laughs> dance. I wouldn't say that this movie has a climax. This movie has a, has a second act problem in that it has no act <laughs> structure. <laughs> There is not, there is the barest hint of a first act, and then I guess there's a third act in that it ends at some point, and yeah. the second act is more of a loose mishmash of vignettes. There's a couple of like, it's one of these. It's a it's a spring break movie, and it's one of, it's a throwback eh, to the old beach movies where there's yeah. like mm-hmm. a bunch of characters who have like your beach blanket bingos or your how to stuff a wild bikini. Exactly, sort of. yeah. Your Doctor Goldfoot. That's the name the of a movie. Machine. How to stuff oh, a wild bikini. Yeah, yeah most certainly. Isn't it Buster is. Keaton in that one? I don't know. Uh, Buster Keaton, maybe not that. Buster Keaton's in a bunch of these beach movies. He's in a funny thing happened to the way to, on the way to the forum. Not that. a beach movie. <laughs> I mean, that is a musical sandals on the beach. around. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Dan. <laughs> sandals equals beach. <laughs> I guess the Bible is the ultimate beach story. Well, look, all I know is that there's a resort called Sandals. I'm so <laughs> check me. <laughs> I believe it was Christ, Jesus Christ who said, "Blessed are the surfers; they shall inherit some tubular waves." Dudes. Yeah, d- blessed are the dudes, for they shall be laid back in spirit. <laughs> and he managed to feed a thousand people with only a handful of poi and one of those little shell necklaces that always make everyone yeah. look like douchebags when they wear them. <laughs> Very judgy Jesus. Wow. He is the ultimate judge, Dan. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, so it's a, but it's a throwback to he those movies where <laughs> there's, there's a group of characters who each have their, like, Thing they want to get, you know. Everyone has a has a clearly desired want yeah. in this movie. I mean, it's mostly just a a date. <laughs> like, yeah. it's mostly a girl it's or a, a guy. It's also it's a, one of these movies that like is clearly written for young people because there's a lot of talk about like I'm gonna get with all these girls. I want your love all night long, and then but then like all they really want is a kiss on the cheek and mm-hmm. to dance with each other. Yeah, this is. I mean, I'm, as opposed I'm, to a hardcore fucking. Uh, I'm familiar with a penetration a on much- screen. <laughs> <laughs> every position, every orifice. It's Stop. called uh, 
XXX parody from Justin yeah, to Kelly, you sure. know. What, Since porn titles now are very, uh, are very Change lame. Kelly to Jelly and you're close. That's what you want in a porno title. <laughs> it's a condiment? I don't understand. This is what, but I will say this. Have you, have you seen Busty Ketchups? <laughs> Busty Ketchups. It's got condiment in the title. Yeah. Uh, I am familiar with a much different type of spring break movie. And this movie, well, like the '80s Spring Break movies, yeah, I, uh, where I mean, they're a lot not of, that different. Well, but it's an but '80s Spring are, Break like, movie. It'd be this kind of stuff, but it'd be a lot of girls taking their tops off, yes. people getting drunk, people getting high. This is the most most like whitewashed queen Spring Break movie. There is a scene where people have not a single character dies of a heroin overdose. <laughs> There's a scene that involves a whipped cream bikini contest, but these might as well be like one piece whipped cream bikinis. They might as well be old timey. The, the only way, yeah, they could have gone to do an old timey like two piece gown bathing suit from the Coney Island days. Yeah, these are the <laughs> these are the most modest. Uh, whipped cream bikinis you will ever see. You could wear one of these to church. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you don't worry about getting the pew dirty. But, yeah. uh, Varsity, from Elliot's description of Jesus, I think it would fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was all about it. Varsity Blues, this is not when it comes to whipped cream bikinis. Uh, but yeah, should we go through the thinnest of plots? Yeah, this, this gossamer web of dreams that is the plot <laughs> from Justin and Kelly. Oh yeah, it's a real Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> oh yeah, well, hey look. If these dance numbers have offended, think just this, and all, and all is mended. For while you watched here, it was a contra- contra- contractual obligation for everyone involved. That doesn't mend anything. Justin, Justin, is, <laughs> Justin is quite a puckish figure. Yes. Or maybe Greg Siff's character. And uh, and Kelly is what, like a Titania or one of the Tinkers? I don't understand. You know, uh, Helena, uh, Hermia. You know, one of those. Hermione or Helena Bonham Carter. You got <laughs> it. So here's the story. Uh, Kelly Clarkson is a waitress named Kelly uh, who works in a bar in Texas. They, she, her friends convince Whoa, her. Slow down, Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to sing. This is a plot that goes nowhere. She has two friends, one of whom is a party girl and the other is black. Those are their personalities. Yeah. And they convince her to go to spring break with them. They go to spring break. This movie takes seven minutes to get to spring break. I, it's efficient. You got to say yeah, that. Yeah. It does not waste time getting the spring break. And at spring break in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, there's three guys, Justin and his friends. Ryan was one of them. Brandon. Brandon is the uh, the, the Look, party dude, the yeah. certified party dude. Brandon is a party dude who's always making money, doing party planning and events and things like that, and getting into trouble with the law. Here played by a babular cop. A Lucy Lawless-type uh, police officer. And one of your real Karen Siscos. And... Uh, they have another friend. His other friend is the only other type of guy, a uh, feckless nerd. <laughs> a nerd who is not that smart, but does have glasses and zinc on his nose. Yeah. And so here are the things they're, they're all looking comic for. comic types. Kelly is looking to stay out of trouble. Her blonde friend is looking to, I guess, get fucked every which way but loose. She's <laughs> yeah. constantly on the hunt for boys. Yeah. And her other friend is just there. Again, her personality is that she's black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, with the three guys, uh, Brandon is trying to make money and get with He's the babes. He's some kind of sociopath. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a part where he talks about how he can have no emotional connection with a woman, which is so we, which he's bragging about because it means he leaves the babes quick, but mm. like he uses them and loses them. It helps him in like iajutsu duels so that he can remain perfectly still <laughs> yeah. and his opponent won't know he's yeah, about his, to strike. Yeah, the kendo master who taught him <laughs> thought of him as a perfect tree. <laughs> how, how can I strike you when you and the wood are one? Uh, and 
And there's and the, the nerd who is looking to meet up with his internet girlfriend, who she he's going to meet in person for the first time. And Justin, who's there to be there. Get, he's just a dude. Like, he is a blank. He, like, there's a perfect blank <laughs> character he's not that has existed quite, in movies. He's not even it's quite him. like the good guy, yeah. at least at first. He's not a bad guy. But he's just as interested <laughs> in, like, having this whipped cream bikini contest as, like, the party dude. As a yeah. business opportunity, clearly. Yeah. Well, and also, because they never really explain the, uh, the mechanics of the whipped cream bikini contest. They just... They could have done the I same thing wearing regular bikinis. Here, yeah. Here, hold Dan, still. okay, wait. <laughs> oh, cold, okay. It's a little slippery. Okay. And then uh, what do I do now? <laughs> Shake it. Shake what the Lord gave you. <laughs> like a Polaroid picture uh-huh. or like you shouldn't with a baby? Uh, either one, man. Okay, I'm shaking. Mm-hmm. What do you, what's, going, what's supposed to happen? I'm not well, feeling anything. the whipped cream's supposed to fly off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually kinda... quite secure. <laughs> okay. Are you sure this wasn't some sort of fast-drying epoxy? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh-oh. I'm going to have to chip this away <laughs> after the podcast. Anyway, the, the guys and the girls keep bumping into each other. Kelly and Justin meet up on the beach, and it is instant chemistry, as we know, because they immediately start singing a song. It happens yeah. during and have the song, no right? dial. They're all singing a song about being on the beach looking for dates. Justin and Kelly see each other through a crowd. They walk towards each other because, I think as Dan pointed out, the, as we were watching it, the theme of this movie seems to be people walking through crowds yeah. or singing while walking towards the camera. Yeah. And also, um, all of this, I, it's, it's important to say that all of the songs in this movie um, sound like either they could have been written for this movie or they could have been a pre-existing song that this movie has just used. I think like, there was a lot nothing of nothing distinctive about them. a lot of what songwriters would call trunk songs in here, songs that they had lying around and had not found use for, and they threw them into this movie. And all the songs are mixed weird, so it sounds like a song you'd hear on the radio, and not like these two characters are actually singing. Yeah, it's hard to make out the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there's it's love at first sight, but uh oh, through a series of complications. They can't get it together. And it's in that first big dance number that we realize that this movie is going to be filled with nothing but very interesting supporting extras. <laughs> yeah, let's take a moment to talk about, okay, this is not a they good are movie. are the extra. The main characters are bad. The extras in this movie are a constant entertainment. They are so overly into it. Like, you'll see characters just walking by in the background, swinging their arms around like no one has ever walked in the history of Which movement. is great. It's like the director's like, well, my leads don't know the dance moves that well, so I'm going to put a snake woman in the background <laughs> with a bandana on and have her flex like a crazy person. <laughs> There's a guy who's tap dancing on a table. You know what? Let's just have one of the spectators be dancing as if she's having an epileptic seizure. <laughs> I've got one word for this movie. Upstaging. <laughs> it's Usually almost, it's bad, but here. It's almost as if like there were two craft services tables, one for the stars and one for the extras. And the one for the extras was just dosed with acid. Just all of it. Acid and coke and just like speed. It's- and speaking of craft services, the one scene that takes place in the kitchen uh, features a chef taking slices of pizza and putting them on just a plate. Individual plates, right? Right next to a giant trough of, like, apples and bananas in a kitchen? I don't understand what this restaurant's focus is. That's why it's failing. Somebody get Gordon Ramsay in here. Stuart, as a food services professional, 
Yeah, I identified that people don't just serve a plate with a slice of pizza from a kitchen. At a sit-down restaurant. <laughs> exactly. Your slice of pepperoni, sir. Welcome to Slices, the restaurant that only serves things in slices. Can I have a Can I have a Coke? Sorry, we only have slice <laughs> soda. Sli- <laughs> or you could have a slice of Coke, but try not to cut yourself on the sharp can edge. <laughs> Wait, so they sliced up the soda like Shredder would do to prove that he has knives on his hands? Yeah, they, they slice it into little sections. Now, Only the bottom section retains any coke. Now, Dan, the what, middle sections are just like if cylinders. You're, if you're telling just freeze it, that would make yeah, more sense. If you're telling me a knife can cut through a soda can, I think you're crazy. <laughs> what kind of wonderful knife could do that? Well, friend, take a look at this. Ah, ah, he's wielding a knife at me. Bang, 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 bang. God, why? Why? Dan, you came at me with a knife. All I had to protect myself was with, with, with was this soda can, Stuart. and I know you can slice through that. Stuart, you saw it. You saw it. You saw the whole thing. You saw the whole uh, thing. I was too busy buying these knives. <laughs> no. Bang, 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 bang. Now I'm dying. <laughs> Help me. Mom, I'm cold. <laughs> Here's right. a blanket, dear. <laughs> that was a little Mom, <laughs> I was dying. A little taste of Flophouse Theater. <laughs> Yeah, a very little taste. <laughs> there was very little there. A so anyway, slice of Flophouse Theater. So the extras are fantastic, but the foreground, not so much. Here's what happens in the movie. So Kelly's friend, in quotes, because she's a bitch to her the whole movie, yeah. uh, decides that she is going What's to- name, like Brittany or Brianna? It's or probably like Skylar or Dakota Aurora. or something like that. You know. Pitchington, okay. As a first name? Yeah. (laughs) It must have been a a maiden name they turned into a first name. Kids these days, you know? They're kooky trend names. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, she decides she's going to mess with Justin for no real reason. I guess because Justin's not interested in her. She is constantly angry that none of the guys are interested in her, and she just wants to get into all the parties. Which is weird because she's set up as, like, kind of the Queen Bee character, and she's like, you know, objectively and attractively. Like, I, it just seems odd that she's so You're into her is what you're saying. With, I just, like, you were masturbating in your it's mind. Weird <laughs> it's weird Here's casting. It's weird casting Here's what I'd say, Dan. Here's what I'd say. Yeah, what, weird casting because what? No, you, I think you're programmed to look at the woman who looks like that in this type of movie. And the think, skinny like, blonde is supposed to be the one yeah, who's got it going on. She's going to be desirable to everybody. She so also has a couple for her of to have problems in that. Area. Here's the thing, and Dan. she has a couple of musical numbers where people are carrying her around. Yeah. But I think those all might take place in her mind. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, the whole it's like an American Psycho type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it really happening? Here's what I'd say about her: one, uh, she comes on too strong, and yeah. even the most beautiful woman, which she is not, she's fine. You know, she's but she's no. Uh, just to pull a name out of my head, Carl Gugino. She's no Carl <laughs> Gugino, but. Uh, her personality just comes on too strong. And mm-hmm. let's say... And there's no beauty in her heart. Exactly. Inner beauty is what really counts. Yeah. Two, she's a big fish in a small pond. Now she's a small fish in a big pond. Maybe she's the heartbreaker of I mean, she's still wherever the same size they are. fish, though. That, like... But the pond's got bigger. Oh, that makes more sense. And as Obi-Wan said in... Uh, was it... No. What's his face? The other guy in, uh, in Phantom Menace. <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn. As Qui-Gon Jinn said, there's Yoda. always a bigger fish. <laughs> I think he was talking about spring break particularly. Yeah. Uh, so she is like, she's flailing. She's like, I'm used to people just flocking to me. But now there's all these other girls. I don't know what to do. I guess I'll play mind games. And so she uh, kind of pointlessly just keeps sending Justin text messages as if she's yeah. Kelly saying, meet me here. I don't want to. Or just ignoring him, you know. Maybe I zoned out, but we did we talk about how... Wait, zoned out during the recording? <laughs> yes, it happens. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> did we talk about... 
just how perfunctory uh, Justin Kelly's uh, meeting was and how little chemistry they have together. Well, let's talk about it. Because, uh, as I said to Dan, their chemistry leaps off the screen because I could see no evidence for it on the screen. Yeah. I assumed it jumped away and scurried under a piece of furniture. Yeah. I mean, we saw this, we talked about this, them singing together, but the real meeting was uh, Justin is running away from a flock of women <laughs> who want his uh, promotional wristbands to the Margarita Madness uh, that he's putting on. Yeah. It's a so, great name. Margaritas yeah. that drive you to madness. <laughs> I think Lovecraft wrote about that. Of madness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we, the old ones mixed a drink that was said to drive one man mad. <laughs> it was lime, tequila, triple sec, and madness. <laughs> Two parts Saturnian wine. <laughs> um, no, but like shog bitters. <laughs> so he runs into the ladies' room to hide from these uh, these this pack of females and runs into Kelly and they trade maybe five sentences. And there doesn't seem to be, like, any particular, like, sizzling chemistry. It might as well have been the same amount of chemistry you'd get if Kelly was waiting for the bus Mm -hmm. and a homeless man came up to her, asked her for money. She said, I'm sorry, I don't have any. And he said, well, God bless you anyway, and walked away. That's about the chemistry they have. See, a lifetime passes in those moments, guys, when their (laughs) eyes meet. I understand. Uh, I think they probably edited (laughs) that sequence out where they stared into each other's eyes and... Here's what they saw made, a future where they were having kids. Here's and what would have made those kids were growing old, and they what, were growing old, and then they turned into worm food, and then those worms. They grew saw old. their reflection in a landslide of coming down. <laughs> Shut they up! They're getting older too. I told you to be quiet with that shit. No more Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> uh, so here's the here's what would have made that scene worked. If they looked into each other's eyes and suddenly we flashed back to Justin and Kelly throughout time. Throughout history, <laughs> Cave Justin and Cave Kelly being lovers. together, medieval times, Justin and Kelly, Roman times. It's like a Mists of Avalon type thing. They've always mm-hmm. been lovers throughout history. And now they're once again lovers. And he has snakes tattooed on his wrists. Uh, you know, Mists of Avalon like again. Sure. That right. would have been, the rest of the movie would have made more sense because it was like, oh, okay, so their souls are fated to be together for eternity, like mm-hmm. uh, Hawkman and Hawk Girl. Like the two most boring people in the world were fated to be <laughs> together. God's like, I'll save anyone of interest from these people by having them be in love. <laughs> That's the thing. Sometimes when you know somebody so perfectly, it gets a little boring because you have nothing to talk about. You got to spice it up with a whipped cream bikini contest. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so saith spicy Jesus. whipped cream. And uh, that's I think those the are the plots. <laughs> By the end of the movie, the minor obstacles. That, oh, and also the other friend. <laughs> Uh, starts going out with a waiter. She mm-hmm. gets him fired from his job by talking back to his boss, and then he gets a new job. And, and that aforementioned up. great kitchen scene. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the kitchen scene where, again, the most interesting thing about it was the nonsensical food service going on in the background. Like the extra just saw this pizza. He's like, I guess I should just start putting it on plates. <laughs> Gotta do something with these hands. I can't just stand here staring at a pizza. <laughs> stand here staring at my hands, wondering what they could be doing. Because that would look crazy. Strangling somebody? <laughs> he starts, starts walking up to the stars with his hands out as if, as if to strangle them. Uh, excuse me, uh, what are you doing, extra number two? Oh, it's just a bit of business I came up with. My backstory is I hate these characters and I want to strangle them. <laughs> Uh, maybe uh, we should get a different act. That doesn't really fit with the rest of the of the story. Uh, but I, so by the end of the movie, everything's okay. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the original uh, beach movies that these sort of like, uh, as we were saying, are an updating of. Like they had featherweight plots and the obstacles and featherweight bathing suits <laughs> and the obstacles in front of the uh, young lovers 
were ridiculous and stupid. But even by that standard, there is almost no reason why there's obstacles. In it. Like, like there's the like woman is two like, obstacles yeah. in the whole movie, and one of them is a hovercraft basketball <laughs> tournament. That is, don't now your mind just heard hovercraft basketball tournament, and you thought awesome. Wrong. It is the most boring thing I've maybe ever seen. <laughs> two hovercrafts. You know, like circling each other at like mid middle speed while people try and throw balls into the opposite other grab <laughs> with a very complicated rule system. <laughs> it's very elaborate. <laughs> There's bonus points for things. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but I've seen like episodes of Small Wonder. Oh, that I've seen more things you can, you can only imagine. This movie. <laughs> of course, she's a fucking robot, yeah. dude. Yeah, conflict <laughs> is bound to arise between yeah. organics and synthetics, and not to mention her programming. She thinks of everything so literally. It's like she's an Amelia Bedelia robot almost. <laughs> Do you think she's programmed the three laws of robotics? Like if Small Wonder, I hope so. If Small if there was, if there was <laughs> a, if there was a fire, and Small Wonder wanted to get away, and her owner was like, "No, Small Wonder, I order you to stay in that fire." <laughs> She's like, not uh, even referring uh, to the fire name. <laughs> law two overrides law three. My own, per, per, my own uh, survival is superseded by my need to obey human commands. I'm dying. Do you think that would happen? <laughs> I think that's yeah, probably the lost <laughs> season uh, series finale. Of Small I have Wonder. to assume so. Uh, so here's the thing. The Rolling Stones may have said you can't always get what you want, but everyone in Justin and Kelly gets what they want. Who's right? <laughs> Thoughts? Discussion? So next time that song pops up on Pandora, thumbs down. Yeah. You pose a very <laughs> stupid philosophical question, Elliot. Now, there's a lot of stuff in here, too, that's like beach movie tropes that they do very lazily. Someone tans for too long and gets burned. Mm-hmm. Somebody's chased by another girl's boyfriend who's a big guy. Mm-hmm. There's a mis- there's some mistaken identity. There's bikinis, but like even those are kind of given short shrift. There's a, there's a poor attempt at beach volleyball. Yeah, yeah, very poor. There's a sandcastle in one scene. <laughs> Can I uh, say one of the uh, things that irritated me in this movie? Nope, not <laughs> what we're here for. <laughs> okay, well. You're supposed to tell us two truths and a lie about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. I was, I lived two blocks away from a, a, a dairy farm. Um, now I, in Brooklyn, <laughs> hey, let him finish. Okay, this is gonna eat up some oh, minutes. <laughs> so, Dan, what were you I gonna say? I about- think of truths about myself. It's a <laughs> weird thing, like because you've been living a lie for so long. <laughs> Who is Dan McCoy? You look in the mirror and you don't even recognize yourself, yeah, because you have a beard now, anyway. So What's the, um, what was the thing that irritated you? No, early on in the when the nerd is uh, checking into the hotel, he's like trying. The, one of the least nerdy nerds in the history of film. Yeah, he is a handsome dude with abs who has I mean, glasses. He's ripped, dude. Yeah, he's complaining about how he can't get online, and he like holds up his old rotary phone, and he's like, "How am I supposed to get online? There's not even any buttons on this thing." And and the that's other two characters how, kind of roll their eyes at each other. But that's not how it works. He would have just taken the phone jack out of the wall and plugged his Ethernet cable into that. Well, like if the they actual had Ethernet setup has no, no. But if yeah, it was I mean, a dial-up thing, you just you just yeah. Plug well, it that, here's the thing. He didn't the phone, he, he didn't even seem phone. to bring a computer or his own cell phone. <laughs> yeah, at no point does he look have a computer on him. Now, remember, like if you're gonna like. Go through the trouble of doing that stupid gag. At least now, let's remember when this movie came out. (laughs) It was two thousand three. Yeah. So cell phone technology wasn't what it is now. Laptops weren't what they are now. And also, this is post nine eleven. 
Oh, and, you know, right. maybe he is just trying to stay safe, not attract the attention of terrorists. <laughs> That's my only guess, because otherwise, why wouldn't he bring his computer with him? <laughs> Wait, so what do you think he was doing with the phone if he wasn't actually hooking his computer up to it? Uh, I got to assume he was tracking down leads. I don't know. <laughs> doing some old shoe leather gu- police work. <laughs> Maybe he's going to pick it up and hit matter. Pick it up and hit somebody with it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Nothing in the movie really makes that much sense. All right. The characters are there's a scene with the aforementioned pizza in the background scene where the busboy's girlfriend, one of Kelly's <laughs> friends, is just hanging out with him in the kitchen while he's working and it's like do people routinely bring their girlfriends to hang out with them in their I hope the fucking food the inspe- health inspectors the don't show up? <laughs> What's this girl in a bathing suit doing here? I really like there's a scene what where... What is this, that John Updike story where the guy quits his job because the girl in the bathing suit gets dude. kicked out of the supermarket? <laughs> I couldn't remember the title of it. is the name of the story. <laughs> uh, there's, a, uh, there's a great scene where <laughs> the Queen Bee character goes to Margarita Madness or whatever, hosted by Brandon? Brand- yeah, Brandon. Is his name Brandon? And basically, she just she shows up. She gets free entrance to this margarita madness, I guess they call it, and then immediately dumps a bunch of drinks on her head. End of scene. That yeah. is the last we hear. She about was only this. there to be humiliated, <laughs> much like a Thomas Hardy character. She exists only to be buffeted by the winds of fate. You were buffeted by the winds of fate, Batman. <laughs> no, not, a, not, not not Tom Hardy, the actor. <laughs> Thomas Hardy, the writer. <laughs> Uh, wait, what? Tess of the Dobervilles? (laughs) So, did you read Return of the Native, Batman? (laughs) Um, this is a movie. Would you think the mayor of Casterbridge brings his dismay (laughs) upon himself, Batman? Um, Why so formal, Mr. Wayne? Uh, I'm really more of a poet at heart. It's still happening. Anyway, you're saying? No, I was Bronson and so forth. I was mm-hmm. I was not really saying. I was struggling for something to say about this movie. Because it's hard. It is so it's, thin. This is a got like this is a lightweight movie. It's like this, this movie is, has seven minutes of plot, <laughs> and they stretch it out to an hour and twenty two minutes. Yeah. There, and, There's some great outfits. Oh yeah, uh, Kelly sure. wears some interesting shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, At one point, she looks like uh, uh, like she should be stepping up to the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or three D. She looks like she should be like. She's like kind of like an anime character who's you know, like at a Tokyo Drift uh, race, but also yeah. she's got kind of like a weird, weird spangly Day of the Dead shirt on. So that's interesting, I guess. Sure. Another one looks like she should be draped around Johnny Depp's neck. Okay. <laughs> so good work, Kelly Clarkson. On that? Um, I mean, you could see from watching the movie that uh, everyone was doing this because they had to. It feels like... Everyone involved was doing this because they signed a contract at some point to do a movie, and nobody really wanted to do it. And the most interesting thing about the movie to me is that reading on Wikipedia, Wikipedia, this feels like sorry, Wikipedia. I, I was about to, I was about, buddy, Wikipedia. I was about to cough, and then yeah, Wikipedia, my friend Pete, but he'll believe whatever you tell him. So there's a, you'd assume this movie, it's an American Idol tie-in, basically, that this movie was made to sell a soundtrack album. They recorded one, and it was not released because the movie did so poorly. They figured no one would want to buy the soundtrack. So it's interesting to me that like the reason you'd think this would be existing didn't come about. Yeah, I you know, and I <clears throat> look, I find Justin Guarini utterly charmless. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, uh, I like a little bit. I, maybe it's just that I'm fond. I, I like you know, I like some of her songs. That you've been gone's a good song. Yeah, There's yeah. That yeah. One. 
There's that one about uh, how she doesn't hook up. I'm against the anti-hooking up message of the song, but I'm pro the, the tune. What about that song, Tusk? Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Again. I fucking told <laughs> you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no more of Leewood Mac. Yeah. The callback to stuff that happened before we started taping the show. Uh, but so... So okay, so you like Kelly Clarkson? Who, do, who else did you like in the movie? Um, there was a bu- like there was a busty extra in the back of one of those. In the, bar and there was a bar. Well, let me tell you this: this is the problem with a beach movie: is that if you're a guy watching it, you're inevitably going to be distracted by the women in the background. But they really didn't give you much in the foreground to fight that. Yeah, yeah. What am I going to look at this nerd with a weird Kangol fisherman hat? Yeah, come on. At this point, at a certain point, the movie becomes like. Some kind of pervy Where's Waldo where you're searching through the crowd for boobs. Desperately for something to at least hold your penis's interest. <laughs> Could be a urinal. Doesn't have to be boobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that, you know, that appeals to me. That That's part is of that, my interest. Is that, uh, a, is that a medical diagnosis, disinterested penis? <laughs> I've, been, I've suffered from it before. <laughs> that, okay, that's the truth. That's the other truth you were searching for sure. earlier. Um, yeah, we should, uh... So, from Justin to Kelly, should have been returned to sender. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm Gene Shallot. <laughs> I'm Gene Shallots. <laughs> That's when you make them out of food. At my, at my film I critic... I only one food item. At my film critic-themed restaurant. <laughs> what, it's like a pair of jeans with shallots in the pockets? <laughs> exactly. It's a pocket full of shallots. Uh, that's a good musical song, a pocket full of shallots. <laughs> yeah, by the Spin Doctors. <laughs> Um, three shallots and a fountain. There's also the Pauline kale. That's a fu- very popular side dish. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and then put on? a dollop of Stanley Kauf mayonnaise on that. Gene Sisk eel. Is that? Uh, sure, I guess. <laughs> Is that at the sushi bar in my yeah. critic themed restaurant? And of course the Roger Sherbert. Anyway, moving on, Dan. Um, so, uh, we should do our final judgments on this movie, whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie. A.O. Hot Sauce. Or a movie. Perfect. We kind of liked. <laughs> uh, Stuart, what do you what do you say? Uh, wait, what are the categories again? Is it good, bad? <laughs> totally beachifying, scarily snored. Kind of like. Uh, no, this is, this is a bad, bad movie. Um, I was hoping that it would, that there would be more wackiness. There's a few wacky chases when uh, this certified party expert, uh, I'd like to see his credentials, uh, <laughs> runs afoul of a beautiful local law enforcement officer, mm-hmm. Cut- Cutlet? Cutler. Cutler. Uh, the the, the, the Callahan the mind. Callahan character if this was Dirty uh, Harry Callahan Dirty no, well, that, isn't that uh, more like from uh, Police Academy more like flirty Harry Callahan. What? Isn't that the 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 blonde woman, the babe from? I don't Pacific? remember. Come on, some, all okay. I remember is the guy with the special effects noises yeah, and the tackle and uh, <laughs> high tower. Was that a character? And Zed. Zed, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then later so, on, bad, Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> later in the series. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, later he's in multiples of them. He came in pretty early. It was what the second movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he didn't become Kim part Control. of the gang until number That's three. Another. That's true. And let's not forget <sighs> the star of it all, America's Police. <laughs> The concept of law enforcement. Anyway, Dan, um, so Stuart, you said it's a bad, bad movie. I, yeah, yeah. I agree. I 
had high hopes for this to be a good bad movie because of its reputation as one of the worst movies ever and it lived up to that but in the wrong way yeah it was so thin that it did not keep my interest and for a movie that was an hour and 22 minutes it seemed felt like a lifetime. <laughs> like it was infinitely long. Like if you're staring t- into Justin Guarini's eyes yeah. and seeing your babies together. <laughs> if a doctor tells you you have an hour and twenty two minutes to live, fire up from Justin to Kelly because you will one begging for wish that. for the sweet release, and two you'll feel like you're immortal. <laughs> Time will stretch on forever. It's like you're in a white void with no sensory de- uh, elements whatsoever, so you have no idea if a second has passed or a million years. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Bad Bad Movie also. It kind of barely reached the minimum standards for being a movie. <laughs> yeah. um, so, move on. So from Justin to Kelly, no such address. <laughs> okay. Thanks again for that. Uh, so before we go on to letters... No CODs, too. Um, there are a couple things, a couple shows promote... <clears throat> Um, when this is the day that this is dropping is the day that I'm appearing at Videology in Williamsburg. Now that's Saturday, December 13th. 13th. Yeah. For the Slate Holiday Party. September, no, Saturday the 13th was the movie about the very late slasher killer who could never make it on time to things. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is Saturday Saturday the 14th, right? Yeah, there is, that is a. Oh, is it? Which is like uh, Transylvania 65,000. Oh, I don't know that one. Well, forget it. I like Saturday the 13th more. Anyway, point is... Go uh, tell that movie to change its title. So that's still happening. Wait, which one has Ed Beagley Jr. in it? Beagley? (laughs) 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 You're awfully Beagley, Ed. (laughs) So, Dan, this is at Videology in Brooklyn. Yeah. So um, Saturday, December 13th. It may well be sold out, but... Check online, you know. Go you anyway. Get do. turned away at the door for your master yeah, day. Just fucking tempting him now. But uh, <laughs> but also we have our live show coming up, and uh, we've got a big announcement. January 9th at let, let me do this properly. Okay. Okay. January 9th, twenty fifteen. Podcasting history is about to be the made. The world is in ruins, <laughs> <laughs> and only three men. New York is a wasteland. Can run bring by them. biker gangs. And also the mayor. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> at the Bell House in Gowanus, Brooklyn, at 10 p.m., you and a friend, if you buy tickets together, and have friends, are, in- <laughs> are invited to see the first ever live recording of a Flophouse podcast episode. Not a movie riffing show. You will not watch a movie with the, po- with the Flophouse ca- gang, but <laughs> you will watch us record a real episode so that your laughs will be recorded for history. Uh, and Dan, I think we were going to announce... For her story. If you're a lady, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah we're going to announce what movie we're going to watch. Uh, it <gasps> what, was what movie? Stuart's idea. Fucking so drum roll or something? He gets all the blame and the <laughs> glory. No, I just, just hit the table and sounded terrible. We're going to be watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Toidles. The Toidles. movie? <laughs> yeah, the, the remake. Though. Yeah, the new the, one. 2014. Not the old uh, Jim Henson Creature Shop. Version. A Michael Bay production. Yeah, the stupid CGI. Starring Mehan Fox. <laughs> <laughs> and four and, radical turtles. And Elias Codius as Casey I, Jones. I don't think Elias Codius is in returning. it. Wait, what? No, but David Fickner is in it, right? Yeah. As Shredder. Wait, William Fickner. William Fickner. David Fickner's brother. <laughs> William uh, Fickner. So as if Shredder. you're going to be coming to the show. Try and watch that shitty movie in advance, and or possibly great movie in advance. And the show is, and we will, as always, have watched the movie mere minutes before going out on stage. Uh, 
So we are going to stumble f- on the stage in a day. We are going to do a few things uh, just for the live audience, give them a little extra. And tickets are selling fast. As of this recording, uh, I think there is there about 70 or less tickets left. Uh, Flophouse record. 70 or fewer. Thanks, Mr. Grammar. <laughs> Dictionary Brown. Oh, the police chief wished he could tell everybody about his brilliant son, who was a real pedantic ass, correcting everybody's grammar. But that would be, mean admitting that Dictionary Brown was his son. He must have stood upon the iced cube. <laughs> so, <laughs> this, this is a case for the attorneys general. <laughs> Bugs Meanie couldn't actually be collecting money for an expedition to the Ozarks because I comes before E except after C. I'm afraid Bugs Meanie affect and affect are two different words. Uh, Bugs Meanie has to be wrong about the sunken pirate treasure because flammable and inflammable mean the same thing. So anyway, uh, we'll be watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, we will also be doing a few things, like Dan said, just for the live audience that will not be in the recording. So that's another thing to get you there if being a part of Flophouse history isn't enough. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, there'll be other surprises, you know. Surprise dances. guests? No. Choreographed what? dances? Nope. <laughs> I mean, there might be some unchoreographed dances. There almost okay. certainly will be. <laughs> so, uh, so January 9th, the Flophouse <laughs> Live Talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Rated R, maybe? <laughs> Playing at your house. For prep. So, um, prep. now it's time for letters. Wait, can I plug something? Uh, sure. Uh, this is coming out after it was released, but in case you hadn't heard, or I, you don't remember from the last episode, my first Spider-Man comic, Spider-Man and the X-Men number one, came out Wednesday of this week. So go out to your comic store. If it's sold out, order a new one. Um, yes, I read it. Stuart read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read it while Stuart was sitting next to me talking to my wife. I was rude, and I said, no, thank you. I you missed that, that entire conversation. conversation. And Dan, I'll be reading Elliot's comic. Dan, I think you just, you may have just set up your your possible winning entry in the most boring story competition <laughs> of 2014. A late entry, uh, you know, the deadline was coming up. But I think you've got a strong list around. <laughs> you got a strong uh, chance now. That uh, is, that's gonna. What an unnecessary <laughs> slam! <laughs> a late entry onto my top five most sure. boring stories of the year under, under Elliot Kalen lyrical themes. And unnecessary won slams. The most unnecessary dickishness award. <laughs> Can I plug one more thing? Uh, is it plugs? Is it? Yeah, uh, this this light was is a little is a little shaky. Let me just yeah. plug that in. All right, thank you. Okay, done. <laughs> um, so this is letters, where we talk to you through the medium of letters. <laughs> Wait, no, that's not how it works. And I'll tell you how it works. You sent us the letter, and now we'll read it. Talking to you over podcast town. Flying over podcast town in our podcast Zeppelin. Everyone with a podcast has got one. And we're watching you sleep right. and make love at night from the skies in our podcast Zeppelin over podcast town. Mail us your letters and we'll read them on the airwaves. Then we'll answer them and we'll share waves with you on the beach like Justin and Kelly at spring break. These are letters from you that we will now read. Yeah. Letters in the sky. <laughs> Thank you for allowing us that little concession break while you were. Uh, so 
<clears throat> this first letter is titled Poster for Rocket Crocodile. And it's from Tristan, last name withheld. This better what? be Drew Struzan. Okay. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Tristan says, Flophouse, please let Mr. Elliot Kalen know that the poster for his project, Rocket Crocodile and the World of Tomorrow, is ready. The untouched proof has been sitting on my desk gathering dust, and I haven't heard anything. I know he got my invoices, and he promised payment would be forthcoming. Um. That was just over a year ago when we were still doing concept sketches. He can't just ignore the people he hires. Just because I'm a freelancer doesn't mean he doesn't have to pay me. Um. What happened to the man who was bankrolling the free venture, Elliot? Was there ever even a Dr. John J. name withheld? <laughs> Were you going to be able to pay the frankly ludicrous $700,000 for the upfront work me and the rest of your so-called creative team did for you? Um, I, I'm beginning uh... to doubt it. I mean, one, maybe $200,000 for a poster of this majestic quality? Sure. But your set decorator is drunk constantly. The costume designer was homeless and hadn't bathed in weeks. The entire hair and makeup department was a shoddy attempt to conceal a major drug trafficking operation. And I think the v- VFX guy was a middle schooler playing around with a four-year-old copy of After Effects. I, uh, I mean, now. accusations have been launched. <laughs> I see now that this project of yours was never meant to be, and the idea that I could get a huge windfall out of it was a fool's errand. I don't even give a damn anymore about getting paid. Obviously, that was just a con and a lie. Just come pick up this poster. I'm going to use it to line my cat's litter box. With great affection, Tristan, last name withheld. And uh, there's a poster here, which I'll put up at the show, but uh, here you go. Wow, that's Rocket a pretty crocodile. amazing poster. Can we and buy it on Mondo.com? That's pretty great. I kind oh, of wow. want to frame that. Yeah. That's pretty fantastic. I kind of feel like there should be a t-shirt. Yeah, there should definitely be a t-shirt. <laughs> I wonder whether It we really can captures actually... everything that I love about Rocket Crocodile. The crocodiles, the wisecracking zebras, the future, the nudity, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Like I think that Car- this must be Carly Gugino nude. Behind this, um, and the other one is Gina Gershon, I assume. Yeah, behind this, they're in like every scene, nude. Yeah, there's a lot of bending over to pick things up. <laughs> uh, well, here let let me just say uh, there were some misunderstandings and promises were made about the movie and its crew that maybe couldn't have been fulfilled. But feel better that someday this poster will see the light of day in the surprisingly uh, striking documentary Elliot Kalin's Rocket Crocodile: The World of Tomorrow. It's about Maybe one of the greatest movies that was never made, Rocket Crocodile, and the influence it had on science fiction films in the following 30 yeah. years. The thing that's fascinating about A visionary it is, director. Is, is you've never even read the original novel, Rocket Crocodile yeah. in the World of I was Tomorrow. at a party, and they said, what story would you want to make a film of? And I said, of course, Rocket Crocodile in the World of Tomorrow, because I had seen it on a shelf. Yeah. I had never read the story. I wasn't interested. In fact, I was going to put my own spin on the tail and train my own son, Sammy, <laughs> to be the lead star Rocket Crocodile. And that's why... For the past 11 months since his birth, he's been learning karate 17 hours a yeah. day. And the weird thing is you got Salvador Dali and Orson Welles to star in it, even though they're dead, long dead. Surprisingly easy to sign contracts with dead people. You just yeah. write their names in. Well, yeah, just get a good necromancer. Or a bad one. Or a bad <laughs> <laughs> Look, cheap out on it. It doesn't matter. So here's what you need to remember is uh, you'll be famous eventually. Yeah. Put that on your pipe. And... I guess cash it. What do you do with <laughs> no, no. what do you do with that compliment? <laughs> so uh, take it all the way to the compliment bank. This next uh, email is titled. That really is an amazing poster. I've got to say. Yeah, no, it's it's very, very nice. Uh, again, I'll put it up on the website, and maybe we can uh, work something out. We'll figure that something out. That website is flophousepodcast.org. 
No, no URL slash gov.xxx aquafan. Blothousepodcast.com. <laughs> Blogspot. Because it is a commercial website. Oh, this is a commercial? What for? Uh, like like burritos? Zappos. <laughs> like Zappos burritos? Yeah. Hey, I love their shoes. How are their burritos? <laughs> I ordered one in the mail. It was a little stale. <laughs> My feet are pretty fast. <laughs> My feet are always so wrapped up and warm inside. I figure their burritos would be great. <laughs> And moist. I always wanted more melted cheese between my toes. <laughs> you know what? I bet if you put your foot in a burrito, it would feel pretty good. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> like a warm burrito, like a toasty burrito. Dan, imagine That's if, from Dan's script, an American burrito. If you think it would be good <laughs> to turn, an you know, get on this. burrito. If, it, if you think it would feel good to stick your foot in a newly killed possum, I think that's about the same as it would feel to stick your foot in a warm burrito. <laughs> Does that sound pleasant? Bones and everything. <laughs> yeah, burritos nice and squishy. Not the way I make them. <laughs> so, so the next letter. One of the weirder things I've been talking about. Um, so this next letter is titled "My Wife," or I assume "My Wife." Nice, nice. Yeah. A little update. Okay, continue. <laughs> and it's from Craig Last Name Withheld, who writes. I recently convinced my wife to listen to some flop house while we wrapped Christmas presents. Big mistake. Huge. That is always a mistake. When we finished, every almost every letter that starts, I convinced my family member here to listen to the flop house. It always ends badly. Mm-hmm. Dan always sends something disgusting. <laughs> Continue. Uh, when we finished up and I turned the episode off, she described the experience as being like, "quote When you're with friends and they start talking about a bunch of bullshit you're not interested in." <laughs> adding, "I don't not like them. I just don't care what they're talking about." Needless well, say, thanks, I guess. <laughs> I don't think she will be a future listener. I, however, will never stop spreading the good word of the Flophouse. Craig Lester. Well, thanks for that. writing. Is this a new, is this going to inaugurate a new theme of letters written by people who shared us with others who didn't like us? I figure that if we neg ourselves, then we'll end up uh, being more. Oh, oh more approachable. I mean, that's not really how the game yeah. is played. <laughs> I don't know. Dear Flophouse, your self-esteem seems too high, so let me tell you what happened when I introduced my local pastor to your podcast. Sure. He had a place he said you were going. It I was wasn't nice. <laughs> um, so this letter, uh, letter number three, is from Taj, last name withheld. The rise of. Hello, Floppers. I write as a brief respite from the plethora of slash fiction no doubt being thrown your way. But on that note... Also asked, would re-return to the Blue Lagoon work with three castaways, three pod castaways, if you will, innocently discovering their love for each other and their bodies? Or would it turn into a fight for sexual dominance a la the Billy Zane star Survival Island with Elliot being the Kelly Brook figure lusted after by the two other sex-starved men? I mean, I buy that part. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Elliot's the most desirable one out of the three of us? Think about it, Stuart. He's the most feminine. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that. Exactly. <laughs> I would say, though, that what's the biggest erogenous zone? The funny bone. <laughs> you want someone with a real sense of humor. <laughs> I'll tell you something. Uh, for the first 17 years of my life, I did not find that to be true. <laughs> uh, but anyway... So he goes on. I don't want to indulge. Wait, so like when you were three, were you trying to make girls laugh to get in their yeah. pants? Look. Uh, Even Freud talks of a latency period. It's from Annie Hall. Uh, I don't want to indulge the slash fictionites. Instead, I'm thinking about the missed casting opportunities for the original Peaches in movies past and future. Ghostbusters. Stuart as Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. Dan as inevitably Eeyore in the Winnie the Pooh movies. I liked that 
being mentioned as Johnny Cash, a man with substance abuse problems, <laughs> led Stewart to briefly pause in bringing a Coors Lights to his lips and then decided, eh, I'll drink it anyway. <laughs> Elliot. Maybe it's the key to my music. <laughs> Elliot as Gilbert Gottfried in my forthcoming <laughs> biopic, Voice of an Angel. Don't appreciate it. My question I don't you. even sound like him. <laughs> I'm not going to say my voice isn't irritating, but it's not his voice. My question to you three, Magi, is are there any roles in existing films you would like to have played and why? Um, I'll, I'll field this first because since I picked these questions, I've actually had some time to think of something, uh, not to steal an answer from our friends over at Jordan, Jesse go, who talked about, uh, this recently, but, um, I think, uh, I think it'd be really fun to be in the music man as uh, professor Harold Hill. I haven't thought about, um, movies that I would like to be in so much because it's an, it's an impossibility to. <laughs> Do that, but as a uh, someone who grew up as a theater nerd, I have thought about musicals that I could be in, and I think that would be a lot of fun. I mean, I would not be as good at Robert, as Robert Preston, who was brilliant. Of in course that role. not. No I mean, offense. He's, he's, I mean, he's fantastic. <laughs> he was amazing. He's amazing. He created the role, basically. Yeah. I mean, he makes you forget how much older than Shirley Jones he is. But it's like the way you said it was like, you know what? I'd love to be in The Godfather. I don't think I'd be as good necessarily as Marlon Brando. But (laughs) you leave just a little wiggle room for someone to be like, no, no, I think you would be as good as the defining actor who was in that role. I was not fishing for that. But also, I think it would be fun. It's a new take, you know? (laughs) I think it would be fun. uh, There's uh, Into the Woods is coming out. I've always thought it would be fun to play the The wolf. wolf. Yeah, I can see you doing that. I think... uh, Think maybe with Johnny Depp's track history with musicals, maybe I could give him a run for his money on that one more than the uh, Robert Preston thing. Okay, you could give his hat a run for its money. It's not <laughs> as cool as his other hats. Uh, but I don't know if you guys. So is have... Dan playing his hat? Yeah, <laughs> just a little Dan perched on Johnny Depp's head, <laughs> sitting what Indian style? <laughs> yeah, why not? And I'm just talking. Dan, don't move. This is your big break. <laughs> Be think, a hat. Think like a hat. How would a hat react in this situation? <laughs> You are a hat. It's the same as he, in every other situation. He's surprised I got to flip upside down and then land back on his head perfectly. <laughs> uh, are there roles that you guys would like to be in a movie? Like if you uh, had the chance to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the obvious one would be to say like a Star Lord type character. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Or I mean, the dream role. You can be a guardian, guardian of the galaxy. I could, I could guard the galaxy. Yeah, you're a regular rocket raccoon. Uh, well, I would, I would say like my my dream role would be like Jack Burton in Big Trouble in oh, Little man. China. That's That'd a good one. Fun. I mean, once one. again, I am in no way saying I'm as good as Kurt Russell in that role. <laughs> I think we can all just say none of us think we're as good as the actors who actually played these but roles. But like, I just lo- like I, I would like to think that I could play a character who gets by. More on charisma than competence. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of gets by on his wits, but his wits are pretty dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, Elliot? I mean, if I wasn't a a tiny out-of-shape guy, then uh, Spider-Man would be... Oh yeah, you know, that's that's a character I would like to play. And now, what with the CGI maybe, uh, these days, I feel like you could do it. And I'm certainly looking forward to like when my son's old enough playing superhero with him and like being those characters. It's close to I'm gonna get to be in a movie. Yeah, you could be like a. I see you being a real good Black Adam. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, because my son's a big Captain Marvel fan. Uh, he he only wants to do the scene where Billy Batson meets the Wizard Shazam in a cave. Uh, but I think, but if I a different question. If I could be any fictional character, 
then there's no question. It would be Nick Charles. I may have said this before. Oh, yeah. Nick be, Charles from the fun. Thin Man series is, he's debonair. He's such a teetotaler, though. He has lots of fun. Well, he is by the end of the series. Look, if he if I had that much fun drinking, I'd, I'd be drunk sure. all the time like him. And he's married to Myrna Loy. It doesn't get any better. Yeah. All right. He has a cute dog. They solve crimes. They're rich. Yeah. It's a pretty sweet life. Life um, could be a dream if you were Nick Charles, a fictional character. So the last letter of the evening goes a little something like this. It's from, well, we'll, we'll get to it. It goes, Dearest Peaches. Mystery story? I am a massively colossal fan of the Flophouse. You fellas are my go-to non-music, non-sports-related entertainment when I run. I can't put my finger on what makes your podcast such a riveting exercise diversion. It must be either Elliot's insistence on cutting Dan off at every turn... Stewart's What's that like? Hold on a second. <laughs> Stewart's insistent on cutting Dan off at every turn. What are you talking about? Or Dan's brain's <laughs> insistence. <laughs> Dan's brain's insistence. I want that to be in Latin, the motto on your family crest, Stuart. <laughs> Boobum, bottom, fartum. <laughs> on cutting Dan off at every turn. I'm such a flop fan, in fact, that I took the seemingly ridiculous step of asking the three of you to write a comic book. Specifically, the Flash Gordon holiday special that's on sale December 17th from Dynamite Entertainment. At comic book stores everywhere? Yeah, which I packaged and edited. Three stories that span the cosmos, each one written by a flopper, each one set during a different holiday. Winter holiday. And uh, there's a parenthetical, Elliot and Stuart, please feel free to hum dramatically during this next part and do space fighting sound effects. Mm -hmm. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Thrill as Dan McCoy (laughs) and artist Joseph Cooper take you to the jungle world of Arborea. Where Flash Gordon and Professor Zarkov go to spread Christmas cheer, only to discover that a faraway forest has already has. Sorry, I Dan, that up. What is going on? <laughs> only to discover it's written down. <laughs> only to discover that a faraway forest. And you're talking forest. about your story. That's the other thing. You should be able to wing it. <laughs> only to discover that a faraway forest world already has Christmas? Question mark. Chill as Elliot Kalen and artist. Stephen Downey, head to Earth and chronicle the exploits of a lone alien beast warrior abandoned on our planet after a failed invasion attempt by Ming the Merciless. But what could a beast man have in common with a Jewish family trying to celebrate Hanukkah in a hostile town? And spill when Stuart Wellington and Laura Margarita present Dale Art, science reporter, Brooklyn, Fear, girlfriends, ex-boyfriends, a big-ass crab, and walkie-talkies. Now, parentheses, humming can stop here. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, all right. Uh, so you, could people hear that? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, three different winter stories. I would stories. argue that that was a large reason why I fucked up. <laughs> you asked us to do it, dude. This guy asked us to do it. And who is this guy? Well, we're getting to it. You might ask. You'd think he would have given us enough information by now to, <laughs> to know his name. You might ask, why would a comic book editor be compelled to collaborate with three guys who would willingly watch and ruminate upon the likes of Marmaduke, Alex Cross, The Oogie Loves, After Earth, and nearly all of late period Nicolas Cage's canon? I reached out because of your obvious affinity for comics and formidable ability to find fun in even the direst of storytelling sinkholes. And I'm happy to relay to fellow listeners that none of the peaches disappointed. Your stories are packed with fun and personality and heart, fully accessible to new readers, and can all be enjoyed even by those who don't usually read comics. You all came to work with tremendous talent and discipline. Even party dude Stuart, who I expected to deliver 
a stream of devil may care cool guy excuses for why he took six months to turn in a script and why it was written in sharpie on beer coasters this was not the case Stu's a pro also in dance story dude why are you blowing up my spot putting me on blast etc also in dance story not a single mention of an alien wife but surprising but still entertaining one of the one of the story ideas you pitched didn't involve and didn't involve porn though. Yeah, well, sure, but that's because <laughs> there was the flesh Gordon. I'll, someday I'll tell the story, um, <laughs> and then we'll have whatever year that is. We'll have a new forerunner for the most boring stories award. <laughs> Continue, Daniel. So thanks for jamming out on a great comic, gentlemen, and I hope all of your fans will seek out a copy of your great comic this holiday season. Keep up the great flops, fellas. Nate Cosby, last name withheld, comic book editor, job title withheld. So, uh, there you go. The Flash Gordon Holiday Special, written by us jerks, edited by the great Nate Cosby. You thought you were just getting letters, but you got a plug. You got, that last letter was a commercial. It was a stealth (laughs) plug. This was a regular, like someone with invisible hair. Mm -hmm. This was a regular uh, Red Rider, Little Orphan Annie, Ovaltine ad, (laughs) right in the middle of your radio program. You got Christmas storied. <laughs> so uh, thank you for all of those letters. Thank you for sending them. Thank you for reading them. And thank you for living them. Uh, but now <laughs> it's time for us to recommend. Yeah, what do we do now? Movies that we saw that we actually liked. Okay. Things you should watch instead of spending an hour and 22 minutes in the company of Justin and Kelly. Um, I mean, are they coming over? <laughs> <laughs> I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna zoom through this because uh, yeah, just we're running it, long. slamming out yeah but I've also I've got I I caught up with a bunch of the prestige pictures of this year <laughs> what are you on a plane or something uh, well <coughs> we had Thanksgiving week off and I got a lot of screeners and I I went to movies in the theater and um, I saw a bunch of movies all of which I enjoyed to one degree or another I saw Interstellar which I liked I saw Whiplash which I liked a lot. I saw mm-hmm. Birdman, which apologies to our friend Scott Tobias over at the Dissolve. I enjoyed uh, a good deal, and um, he's going to track you down, dude. Yeah, I know. But you um, just earned yourself a bruising. I was cruising for it, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really my own fault. Just like in the movie Cruising, that's what that's about, right? Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but the movie that I uh, think I'm going to recommend. Uh, is Inherent Vice, the new P.T. Anderson movie. Uh, Where'd you see that? Fuck off. I saw it in a screening, again, a a Writers Guild screening, and uh, I will say that I enjoyed that movie about as much as one can enjoy any film that you understand about 40% of, because it marries the... Was it in Esperanto? Well, it marries the incomprehensible uh, plotting of something like Chandler's The Big Chill... Or Big Sleep, No, sorry. no, Raymond Chandler's The Big Chill, <laughs> where they're trying to solve the mystery of who I killed Kevin Costner. Immediately. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, we no, were all gonna, all the suspects are here, I guess we'll dance to some Motown <laughs> songs. <laughs> it combines, Down these mean kitchens, uh, a man must go. It combines the, uh, the, the plotting of something like The Big Sleep with uh, the incomprehensible prose of Thomas Pynchon. Yeah, I've always I've tried to read him, reading him so many times. Like, yeah, I mean, and so. Inherent Vice is supposed to be his most accessible book, but even that, uh, I gave it a whirl, was not a fan. But I enjoy the movie a lot, uh, mostly for its texture and feel, which is what you're left Velvety. with. Velvety? 
when you can't understand <laughs> really what's going on. I mean, I got the broad strokes, but I'm, there are some mystery uh, threads that are left widely hanging by the film. But um, it's it's a it's 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 a hard movie to explain. Do like, you see it in uh, seventy millimeter? No. Okay. I, I, I it's a movie that I'm three D. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, there was a big point about how it was screened in seventy millimeter. Seventy? I, I, I know that it was shot Inherent in. Vice? I know it was shot yeah. in thirty-five millimeter using film, um, so it has old-time film texture. But I could I th- be totally wrong. I think that Interstellar so. was, a se- was in seventy millimeter. <laughs> in Interstellar, I thought it was a seventy millimeter. Yeah, film. but I thought it was those two. But oh, um, uh, don't write in and tell us because we don't care. But um, I mean, write in. We'll just ignore it. Talk about it on Twitter. Say Stuart rules. If I'm wrong, don't say anything. No, say Stuart drools if he's wrong. <laughs> I guess that's fair. You know, if you like the vibe of something like uh, Altman's uh, The Long Goodbye, there's a lot to like in this. And as much as I did not fully feel like I got everything that the movie was trying to do, I also want to see it again. Hey, and, and you felt like you had an experience. It stuck how, with me. You had an experience. So, how would yeah. it fit within the Paul Thomas Anderson canon? Um, because we need to fit it in there and fire it at the castle we're besieging <laughs> with our Paul Thomas Anderson cannon. I Behind mean, the chain shot. <laughs> the chain shot will destroy First, the, the defenders. The chain rips through their heads, <laughs> and then a copy of There Will Be Blood takes out the main ramparts. Yeah, it pops out of their bodies. I, I will say that uh, it it may rank the lowest for me with the possible obsession of uh, Heart 8, which I've seen once a long time ago, so i don't know. Whoa, you word. like Heart 8 less than Magnolia? That's what I was thinking, too. Oh, no. no. You know, I like this better than Magnolia. Okay. So, I don't know. Oh, is right a, in the world. Magnolia has a great first seven minutes. <laughs> I mean, I like Magnolia, but it's got, it's also got a lot of I problems. mean, it's weird that he licensed out a movie like that to be a bakery. That's one for the New Yorkers, the Sex of the City fans. Yeah, I apologize. I totally forgot that Magnolia was a P.T. Anderson film. So, anyway. It's a P.T. 109 film. Uh, so that's my recommendation. <laughs> that was more of a gonk droid of a Guys, film. <laughs> where do you, you want to go with this? Huh? Wait, like which one of us does a recommendation? I'm going to do two recommendations. Oh, Boom. Damn. Holy shit. I have one movie to recommend. A double so shot. I go last? So the first movie I'm going to recommend is another prestige picture called The Hobbit Battle of Five <laughs> Armies. It's a little known independent film. Uh, Dan and I got to see a early screening of this. Um, I don't think... That if you have not been a fan of the earlier two films, uh, Unexpected Journey and Desolation of Smog, this will not make a convert of you. If you go into it not like expecting to be mad or not like it, don't watch this movie. Spend your two and a half hours. That's right. It's only two and a half hours long. Spend those hours doing something else. Or as Jack Peter Jackson Nett, calls it, fucking a live Castle action short. Once and a half. <laughs> Wait, watch Castle Freak <laughs> once and a half times? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'll get to the weird part the second time through. Um, so no, but it is, I, I said that I thought it was the best of the three and you agreed. Yeah. I think, I think you had a good point that uh, at least for me and, and I think you said it too, like the original trilogy, uh, though it didn't have a particularly noticeable dip in quality started off strong, stronger and went downhill as opposed to, uh, the new, the Hobbit, which, Kind of starts a little shaky, but get, picks up steam as it goes along. It actually feels like Peter Jackson listens to his critics a little bit because huh. this last one moves at a pretty good clip. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm recommending. That's my catchphrase. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. And then uh, I'm no also going to recommend <laughs> another movie that has been getting a lot of press. I'm going to recommend The Babadook, 
which is an Australian uh, horror film. Uh, it's basically it's about, about a ghost with a big ass. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you working on that? As soon as I said I was going to recommend the, the way you said Bob and you, you're like the work- Saturday Night Live missed its chance when they had Nicki Minaj on. <laughs> the working title was Pulcher Trunk. <laughs> So uh, yeah, it's a it's a horror film uh, about uh, a single mother who's raising a six year old child, um, and they discover a scary pop up book. Um, it's super effective, super frightening. plays on a lot of uh, plays on a lot of themes that uh, adults, particularly parents, will find frightening. Hey, I, that's me. I'm the audience for that. So you should totally watch it and be prepared to be, be scared. scared. Uh, in a way, I wouldn't have been scared a year ago. Watch it with the lights on and then turn them off because it's scarier that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> those, watch it with the lights on and then turn the lights off because you're sleeping. Just like sex. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's scarier when the lights are off and you're wearing masks. <laughs> 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 Elliot, I think it's your turn. I recommend two movies. Yeah, you did recommend two movies and then having sex with masks on. <laughs> because it's scarier. So I'm gonna rec- I'm gonna go a different way. I haven't gotten to see really any new movies. because uh, <laughs> what are you gonna do? That's that's life what, as you got a, a baby or something? I do have a baby or something. So you're gonna recommend an older movie? I am gonna recommend an older movie. And hey, it's Elliot. How about an old foreign film? Oh, you weird. guessed it. Uh this is a movie that uh, fell under my philosophy of if it looks interesting on Turner Classic Movies from the program guide description, I will record it and try it. And I'm glad that I did. This is a Russian movie called Nine Days in One Year from 1964, directed by Mikhail Rom and starring uh, a couple actors uh, you may recognize from other Russian films in the period. <laughs> One of them was also the, was the star of The Cranes Are Flying, which people may know. Uh, but anyway, Nine Days of One Year in One Year is a Love triangle between three physicists, two men and one woman, or it starts that way at least. And one of the physicists is more devoted to his work than the others, but as a result of that, he receives a life-threatening dose of radiation. And so he has to decide whether he's going to keep working and risk another dose that might kill him, or he's going to try to survive and devote himself to his wife. But he believes the work he is doing is so important that it's hard to tear away. Like Dr. Manhattan? In a way, yeah. Except instead of getting uh, naked blue superpowers, he's just noticeably frailer. Uh, but for a movie that sounds a little dry from that, and it, he's a story about a guy who's torn in Soviet Russia between saying he needs to design a, a new type of uh, fusion reaction for the people and trying to decide between that and an emotional life sounds like it could be propagandistic or kind of flat. But actually the characters in it are very real feeling and well-rounded. There's particularly a scene where the female character, after she marries one of the scientists, is lying in bed thinking about how she is a bad wife, she can't cook well, she can't clean well, and what it really is is that she's feeling trapped in this role that she feels like she has to do, but she's not really happy with. But it's something that you wouldn't, you don't see a lot of in movies, I feel like. A character turning on themselves that way in their internal, internal monologue. Uh, over their relationship or whatever. But anyway, uh, but there's a lot of funny jokes in it too, and the title comes from the fact that all the scenes are set in nine days of this one-year period, and I guess I think it's actually a little bit more than a year. But it'll be, but it literally says like day one, there's a little bit of narration, and we see that day, day two, and we see the relevant scenes from that day months later. 
And is it uh, is it dubbed or do I have to read it? You're going to have to read it. It's oh. subtitled. But I think the entire movie is available on uh, Moss Films' YouTube channel, possibly. I think it's also on... Moss Films? Moss Film, Moss Film which is Moscow Film. Oh. I mean, it was one of the big okay. studios. It's still it's a big like, studio. Not, yes, <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's not Moss like, <laughs> like growing on things because of moisture. Uh, where the whole movie, I think, might be on in the Criterion sec- streaming section of Hulu. Uh, but it's well worth seeing. Nine days in one year. I highly recommend it. All right. Well, guys, thanks for being here. I feel like we need to wrap up before Elliot's yeah. nose literally Closing falls time. off its face. It's getting late, and I am sick. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then so, it would be like another classic Russian story, The Nose. <laughs> by who? Gogol. Oh, yeah. The guy wakes up, his <laughs> nose is missing, and he finds that he can't... It's turned into a cockroach. Well, he can't, that's a d- Franz different, Kafka. <laughs> yeah. He can't... Franz can, Kafka? Franz Kafka. French Kafka, yep. He finds that he's turned into a sexy roach who is trying... He sees a cat with a stripe on its back and assumes it's a lady roach and keeps trying to sure. rape it. <laughs> Pepe but I have to go to work. Pepe Le Joseph that, K. That, that's what that's what's called a literary mashup. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's a regular Pride and Prejudice and Zombos. <laughs> <laughs> so those note. are cool zombies. That's <laughs> <laughs> Zombros. Thanks, thanks for those listening. are zombies that wear Umbros soccer shorts. <laughs> sure. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks to the contest winner Jason McIsaac for uh, recommending. From Justin to, to Kelly, and fuck you for recommending. <laughs> Whoa. From Justin to, to Kelly. Too harsh. Roasted. Uh, and uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. For the Flophouse, I've been Stuart Wellington. <laughs> and from the Flophouse, <laughs> I'm Elliot Kalen. Good night, everyone. Blam. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. The Flophouse motto. <laughs> hey, we're not getting paid for this. Good enough. Um, yeah, F it. So, F it hard. Uh, <laughs> F it in the A. Franken beans. Or the P. Some call it a V. <laughs> or a C, if you're nasty. <laughs> or the M. Mm-hmm. Or the E. All right. In. A lot of coughing going on. Yeah. Reminds me of a joke about a vampire. <clears throat> it seems this vampire. <laughs> oh, boy.